So if you will, turn your Bibles to the book of Judges. If you don't know where that's at, everybody know where Genesis is? Go to Genesis, flip on over, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. Okay, so go there and you'll find it. If you will, stand in honor of the reading of the word this morning, Judges chapter 16. And... I think I'll start with verse 19. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines, and and I'm going to take all three points this morning from verse 21. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Thank you for this word that you have given us to share today. Lord, I need the anointing of your Holy Spirit to speak through these lips of clay, that I may speak the words that you would have me to speak, and what you don't want me to say, then don't let me say it. Lord, only what you would have for us today. Open our hearts. Open our ears that we may hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us today. Open our eyes that we may be able to see what you would have us to see from your word. Lord, if there be one here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray before they leave this place that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God would be upon them and they come to a place of repentance and receive you. If there be those here today who needs a renewing in their heart, in their mind, in their soul, in their spirit, I pray that you lift them up and strengthen them, encourage them through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I want to talk about three things that sin will all always do. Now, I know I hear someone say, well, We're Christians. We don't need to hear a message on sin. How many among us does not have sin? How many among us does not struggle from time to time with sin? Okay, I didn't see any hands. So that means and that tells us that this word today, and I know I have the word that God wants for today. Amen? There's no doubt. The very first song that was sung, He washed my sins away. I want you to know He still has the power to do that. I'm going to talk about a subject today that is not very popular in our day and time, and in some churches it's no longer preached about, and that subject is the subject of sin. It has been said, this book will keep us from sin, but sin will keep us from this book. It has been said that people are not sinners because they sin, but people sin because they're sinners. So don't be so surprised. Now you and I as Christian believers, we're not to be living in a lifestyle of sin, But every one of us today, regardless of who we are and how long we've been a Christian, how long we've been in the service of the Lord, there's times that we sin and come short. Hello? Sin is still sin no matter how you look at it. When the Bible clearly states something as sin, it will always be sin no matter how people try to change the meaning of it. 
God, He still hates sin. The wages of sin is still death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin always destroys lives and marriages and homes and jobs and relationships. And it also can divide churches. We cannot play around with sin as though it will not harm us. We cannot take fire into our bosom and not be burned by it. If we play with sin, I promise you, we will be burned. So, we need to forsake it and resist it. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, O ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We cannot take fire into our bosom without being burned. Samson didn't know how to resist the attraction of sin, therefore he fell into its trap. This story, I'm sure we're all familiar with it, it is about how Satan used Delilah to make a strong man weak and powerless. Anyone could have told Samson that he was that Delilah was making a fool out of him and she was just playing him, but he would not have listened anyway. He would not have believed them. His parents tried to warn him, tried to tell him of the danger of going to the wrong territory and to the wrong place to try to find a bride. He did not listen to the godly advice of his parents. He loved the sinful, deceitful, seductive, wicked woman. But she didn't love him back. She just loved the money that she was going to receive by enticing him, influencing him, and seducing him to tell her the secret of his power and of his strength. Samson had plenty of red flags waving right in his face that he was in danger, but he ignored every one of them simply to satisfy the desires of pleasure. How many know that there is pleasure in sin? Yeah, what about the rest of you? I'm telling you today, there is pleasure in sin. However, when it is over, we're left feeling empty and defeated on the inside. There is pleasure in sinful desires and sinful pleasure, but they are short-lived when sinful desires are conceived, and James told us this in his writing, when they're conceived, it bears, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown or when it is finished, brings what? Death. The devil always paints a pretty picture, doesn't he? How many know what I'm talking about? He always paints a pretty picture that the grass is greener on the other side. He never shows anyone the devastating effects that it will have on their lives. The love of pleasure, listen, the love of pleasure has become so widespread in our society today, that people are just doing what is right in their own eyes, like they did in Judges 17 and verse 6, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
If we do what is right in our own eyes, a lot of times we're going to be self-deceived and led astray. Immortality in the, in the day and age in which we live. I'm, I'm telling you the truth today, okay? And this is a powerful message, not because I'm preaching it, but because it's the Word of God. And we as believers need to take heed to what the Word of, Word of God says. Immorality is no longer a concern in our society. Am I telling you the truth? It's no longer a concern in our society, but immorality is something that is promoted and God is ignored. We live in a world that has lost its Christian values and principles. Well, y'all got a little quiet on that one, but it's still the truth. Say amen. We live in a world that is anti-God. We live in a world that is anti-Christian and anti-church. That's the kind of world that we are presently living in. We live in a world that disregards what this book says. Everything that is immoral is accepted, promoted, and exalted. Today, people are more devoted to their pleasure and the power and the prestige and the pursuit of happiness than they are to the love of God. If you want to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy for a moment. I'm not preaching yet. I haven't even got to the first point yet. But I'll get there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. It says, but know this. In the last days, perilous times will come. Church, I declare to you today we are there. Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from, listen to, and from such people turn away. People who are lovers of pleasure, they hold to a form of godliness. This means that they are religious. I'm going to tell you today, religion doesn't save anybody. They may be church members. They may even read their Bibles and serve and give, but they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. When a person persists in sinful ways, they will suffer the consequences of their behavior. There's a major breakdown in society today. Thank you. We live in a calloused society where godly morals have collapsed. We live in a warped society who thinks that wrong is right and right is wrong. We live in a society that has become ungodly, unholy, unrighteous, unclean, spiritually wicked, prideful, and greedy. Oh, we may try to look the other way and we may try to deny it, but I'm telling you it's staring us in the face. Simple behavior of every kind is prevalent in our society today. We, and, and, and even in some churches, gossip, slander, hatred, division, discord, disunity. There seems to be Should I say it? Thank you. I think I will. There seems to be 
as much sin in the church as there is in the world. Now, I wanted God to give me a a feel-good message. Warm and fuzzy. But this is what He gave me. And I'm bound by Him to deliver the Word that He gives without fear, without favor, without sugarcoating, without watering it down. This is how it is. This is like it is. So, sinful behavior of every kind is prevalent in our society and even in some churches. America has increasingly become a nation without God. Sad, but true. Sins of dishonor, disgrace, and depravity is out in the open for all to see. Hello? People are no longer keeping things in secret and in the closet. I think maybe they should go back to the closet. Either that or repent and let God set them free. Woo! That'd be the better thing to do, right? We used to be proud that we were a nation under God. But we have... Man, I wish I could preach this in Washington... We have become a nation without God, a nation that dishonors Him, and a nation that has shut Him out and doesn't want anything to do with Him. You say, what, all, what does all this have to do with your text this morning? I'll get there. Hold on. Be patient. God is not going to tolerate it much longer. He can't. Society today is much worse than the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. They didn't have the many translations of the Bible that we have. They didn't have Bible schools and they didn't have the churches on every corner that we have. We are, our society today is worse. God help us. God forgive us. God cleanse us. God pour your Holy Spirit in our soul that we might be effective testimonies and witness to this lost and dying world that's on their way To hell. There's only one of two places to go. Heaven or hell. There's no in between. Samson was a Nazarite. He was called. He was chosen. He was ordained. He was anointed. And he was appointed by God to be Israel's judge and deliverer. He was to be separated unto God. However, he flirted with evil associates which proved to be his downfall. Unholy alliances are always deadly enemies to spiritual power. At times, Samson was spiritual. Yet at other times, he was controlled by carnal appetites. He was childish in his plans, but yet he was courageous in battle. He was physically strong, yet he was weak in resisting temptation. It doesn't matter who we are. None of us are above temptation. None of us are above sin and reproach. 
I believe that godly spiritual leaders are under a heavier attack of the enemy than others because if Satan can get the leaders to fall, it will have a domino effect and that leader's followers will fall with him. That is why it is important for us to pray and support our spiritual leaders. Most of Samson's troubles were self-inflicted. He brought things upon himself. He wanted to marry a girl who was not a Christian. Big mistake. He wanted to marry a girl who did not have the same values and share the same faith as what he had. He disregarded his Nazarite vow of indulge, and, and consequently he indulged in sin and he defiled himself all for a moment's pleasure. Perhaps he thought he had the privilege of indulging in sin since he wore the badge of a Nazarite. But he was wrong. We cannot indulge in sinful behavior and be all that God wants us to be at the same time. Just because we believe in the security of the believer doesn't give us a license to sin and live any old way we see fit. If we're a true born-again believer, there's going to be a change on the inside, and that change on the inside is going to show up on the outside. If we think just because we're under grace that we are free to indulge in sin, we're just as wrong as what Samson was. Samson didn't even know his own heart. He thought he was morally strong enough to say no, but again, he was wrong. Paul told us in his writing to the Corinthians, he said, He who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. How many times have you heard someone say, Oh, that had never happened to me. If we make that statement, we are on dangerous ground. Because none of us, as I have said, are above anything. When we think we are strong enough in our own strength, in our own power, in our own wisdom and knowledge and understanding, we will fall into sin every time. We are not strong enough within ourselves to say no to sin and temptation. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to guide us. Samson thought he could go out like all the other times and shake himself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And that's what it said in 19. He did not realize, he did not know that the Lord had departed. Now, the word departed means powerlessness in the service of God. Sin will always leave us powerless. 100% of the time, all of the time. It will cause the blessings of God to stop flowing in our lives, and it will cause the blessings of God to stop flowing in our churches. We can shake ourselves all we want to, but it will accomplish nothing without true repentance. The consequences of the Spirit's departure is always weakness, shame, ruin, and defeat. One of the worst effects of God's departure is that it leaves us in a state of indifference. It leaves us in a place that we don't know what to do. Samson had lost the favorable presence of the Lord and was not even aware of it. 
Many Christians today may be in the same position as Samson was. They may have indulged themselves in the pleasure of sin so much that they don't even realize the presence and the power of God has evaporated out of their lives and is no longer in operation in them. Everybody wave at me. Just want to make sure you're still here. Don't don't go to sleep on me. Okay? There are those who have grieved the Holy Spirit of God by their sins and quenched the Holy Spirit of God by their disobedience. When the Spirit of the Lord has departed, we cannot do what we did at other times. Samson found that out the hard way. He thought he'd go out, shake himself free, just like he did all the other times. But to his amazement, the strength and the power was gone. Our souls grow weak and our gifts wither. We need the Holy Spirit today to empower us, to guide us, and to convict us. The Philistines took Samson when God departed from him. I wonder how many Christians... How many churches, how many preachers, how many leaders are sleeping and do not realize that the Spirit of the Lord is no longer directing their lives. They are just going through the motion, but not living in daily dependence on the Holy Spirit. Those who have thrown themselves out of God's protection become easy prey for the enemy. The enemy is just waiting For the right opportunity to snatch us up. And this was the right opportunity for the enemy to take Samson into captivity. What the church of the living God needs today is a heaven sent, earth shaking revival. That the Holy Spirit of God will once again come upon us. See, Samson thought the Holy Spirit would come upon him at this time. But at this time, when he needed it the most, it wasn't there. But we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us and renew us and refresh us and revive us and give us power from on high. The only way that we can be effective for the kingdom of God is for His presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. How many Christians, churches, preachers, leaders have become ineffective in the work of the Lord? We can be busy. We can have all kinds of programs and there's nothing wrong with them. But let me tell you again, they do not guarantee effectiveness. Without the power, are you getting this? Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are nothing and we are helpless without Him at work in our lives. God wants to manifest Himself through the power of the Holy Spirit, but many times we fail to recognize His divine presence. The more the Spirit of God moves upon us, the more powerfully the world, the flesh, and, a, and the devil will oppose us. Okay, now I'm going to start preaching. Point number one. I hope you wasn't timing me because we haven't started yet. Nope. I know you'd tell me to preach on. Okay. Three things that sin will always do. Number one, sin always blinds. 
sin always blinds and it will always take us further, farther than we wanted to go. Before Samson knew it, he was blinking blood because the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. Sin always blinds. Always. How many times has the devil told you, well, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. You need to talk back to him and tell him, devil, you're a liar and you're the father of lies. Before this event in Samson's life, he was revered. He was feared by the enemy. Now he was nothing more than a clown, the joker at the circus show, grinding at the meal. He was made fun of and he was laughed at. And in reality, they were not laughing just at Samson, but they were laughing in the face of God. I'm telling you today, a person cannot laugh in the face of God and get away with it. He was blind to sin and the consequences of his sinful behavior. He thought he was strong enough to overcome. His spiritual vision was blurred so badly that he couldn't see that he was headed in the wrong direction. He was on the path to disaster, destruction, and death. Sin always blinds. Listen. Verse 21, the Philistines took him, put out his eyes. That means he could no longer see. It didn't... And the thing about sin, you know, here with Samson, it didn't just start with Delilah. It started when he went down to Timnah and saw an attractive woman there of the daughters of the Philistines and took her for his wife. Again, she was not a Christian. She didn't want to be in the ministry. That should have been a sign. But he wanted her anyway. He wanted her so badly, regardless of his parents' godly advice. He was so overtaken by her that he could not see anything wrong with having her as his wife. So he said, get her for me. She pleases me well. He wanted her so badly that he would stop at nothing to get her. He wasn't concerned about where it would lead him. That's the way it is with many people today. They want something so badly that they are blind to the danger of it. We need to understand that there is an attractiveness to sin. And we need to beware of its allurements and its appeals. Samson saw the attractiveness of sin. And he couldn't resist what he saw, so he married her. Samson allowed himself to be sucked in by the allurements of sin when the Philistines told her to entice him to find out what the riddle meant. For seven days, this woman of Timnah, it doesn't give a name for her. Samson had a name for her. You know what her name was? Heifer. Yeah, that's right. Now, ladies, how would you like to be called heifer? You know, he had given a riddle. They couldn't figure it out. So they went to this woman of Timnah and told her to ask him to, to tell her. And finally he caved in after seven days and he told her the meaning of the riddle and she went straight to the Philistines and told them. You know, he had worked out a plan with them. He had worked out a deal. If you do not tell me the plan, then I'll give you 30 changes of garments and vice versa. 
So he went to the Philistines and told them, he said, if you had not plowed, I'll show it to you. Chapter 14 and verse 18. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. But you know, through her crying and moaning and groaning and saying, Oh, you, oh, Samson, you hate me. You don't love me. If you really loved me, you would tell me the meaning of your riddle. Finally, he gave in to the appeals of sin because she nagged him so much. Temptation always carries with it some bait that is attractive and appeals to the natural fleshly desires. Just like the woman of Timnah, the temptation kept knocking at the door. Let me give you a little secret. When sin keeps knocking at our door, you know what the best thing to do is? Better yet, send Jesus to answer the door. And then, we need to start quoting Scripture. Normally, one sin leads to another until it takes us farther than we want to go. When his marriage with the woman of Timnah didn't work out, he continued, continued his downward journey when he went down to Gaza and saw a harlot and went into her. And after that, he went down to the valley of Zorak and fell in love with Delilah. And immediately the lords of the Philistines told her to entice him and find out the source of his great strength. When Samson fell in love with Delilah, he deliberately walked into the fires of a devilish woman who from the very beginning proved herself to be an enemy of the divine purpose in the life of Samson. When we are blinded by our own sins, those sins will always take us farther than we want to go. When sin blinds and takes a person farther than they want to go, it normally blinds an individual to all restraints, all boundaries, standards, convictions, and absolutes. There is no absolutes anymore in our society. Now, after this happens, people develop the mentality that anything goes. We can understand the world being blinded by sin, but what we can't understand is when a Christian is blinded by sin. Number two, sin always binds, and it always keeps us longer than we want to stay. Samson was a strong, physical man who at one time tore a lion to pieces with his bare hands as you would tear apart a young goat. He slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey and he carried away the gates of Gaza. He could not be bound by anyone or anything. Seven fresh bowstrings, new ropes that had never been used. The weaving of his hair tightly could not bind him. But through the weakness, his own weakness, the weakness of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, he was weakened. Therefore, he was bound by the chains of sin and shame. It doesn't matter how strong a person appears to be. Satan will always look for a weak spot that he can penetrate and overpower us. He founds 
he found Samson's weak spot and he was able to bind him. He was bound. He was mocked. He was humiliated. Once the devil gets a hold on someone and binds them, he will laugh at them for playing the part of a fool. There's always consequences for playing around with sin. Why do people fall into sin? Okay, i got to do this again. Oh man, I've lost a lot of you. Why do people fall into sin? Because they believe Satan's lies. One thing you can put down, and it'll always be true, Satan can never tell the truth. Samson was a spiritual leader. He was a judge of Israel. He knew what the Bible said. He knew what God said. But he lost his sight and was placed in the shackles of bondage. All it takes is just one sin. One sin to bind us. That's all it takes. It could be pride. It could be love of money. It could be the lust of the flesh. It could be the lust of the eyes. It could be the pride of life. It could be gossip. It could be hatred. It could be disobedience. It could be just about anything. It only takes one sin to bind us. And sin, once it binds us, it will leave us prayerless and powerless. When Samson went into enemy territory... He always went down, both geographically and spiritually. His fall was not sudden and violent, but it was a gradual sliding back. When we keep going back, hear me, when we keep going back to the things that God has warned us about and delivered us from, we will become weaker and weaker and it will get the best of us and the enemy will triumph. It's amazing how many people think they'll never get caught. Their sin will never catch up to them. Samson had eyes to see, but he could not see. He had ears to hear, but he could not hear because he would not listen. It wasn't until he lost his eyesight that he could finally see. What a tragedy. That it would take such a drastic measure. People can be warned of the dangers of sin. They can be told that it blinds and binds, but many times the warning is disregarded and they continue on their downward spiral and never see the truth until it's too late. They are trapped and the Christian testimony is destroyed. Samson had plenty of warning, but like so many today, he thought it could never happen to him. But again, he was wrong. The same is true of people today. We may believe that we are morally strong enough to overcome sin. That it will never ensnare us. But like Samson, if we keep flirting long enough with it, it will overpower us. And no matter how morally and strong we think we are, slips in. Lastly, number three. Now I have to try to give you the whole load because all we have is today. Okay? 
Sin not only blinds and binds, but sin always grinds, and it will cost us more than we're willing to pay. Aren't those good points? Man, that's, that's real good, preacher. I'm telling you, the Word of God is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword when a person will allow the Spirit of God to move in them and speak through them. The cost will always be too high for a few fleeting moments of sinful pleasure. The pleasures of sin only last for a season and will leave us blinded and bound grinding away in the pit of despair, wishing we could take it all back. Samson paid a high price. He lost his sight. He lost his strength. And the Philistines put him in a dungeon, grinding at the meal, doing the work that was usually reserved for slaves, women, and donkeys. The perfumed memories in Samson's mind of the erotic pleasure in Timnah, the bed of the prostitute in Gaza, and the infamous valley of Zorik were overwhelmed by the putrid stench of the dirty, filthy Philistine dungeon. Sin always leads us to grind away in self-inflicted wounds and self-inflicted prisons. When we yield to temptation and sin, there's always a price to pay. It costs Samson his eyes, his strength, his fellowship with the Lord. It cost him his honor, his dignity, and it cost him his ministry. He was scarred for life. Grinding away in the dungeon of sin and shame is no way to live. It may take years for sin to mature, but when it does, the result is going to be blindness, bondage, and grinding away at sin's wills. It won't be any fun then. The pleasure will have long since since gone. If we can only believe God's word and see this final tragedy, it will encourage us to yield, it will encourage us not to yield to the temptation when it comes our way. Samson's dying cry was for one more manifestation of the power of God's Holy Spirit that he might die a victor instead of a victim. There was a greater victory over the enemy in the death of Samson than there was in his entire life. There was about 3,000 people in the stadium that day as Samson, they called Samson to make sport and to put on a show that they could again make fun of him. Unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have neither eyes to see nor liberty to serve. Sin always blinds, binds, and grinds. It always takes us further than we wanted to go. It always keeps us longer than we wanted to stay, and it always costs us more than we were willing to pay. Today, People are blinded by sin. They are bound by it. They do not see sin as sin any longer. They do not see anything wrong with its attractiveness, the allurements and the appeals of sin. They play with it until it blinds them and they no longer see anything wrong with what they're doing. May God's convicting power May God's convicting power be upon them.
A person can become so hardened by the deceitfulness of sin that they are not as sensitive toward it as they used to be, so they just indulge in it. Today is the time to confess. Today is the time to forsake and repent of any sin that may that we may be struggling with. If we don't, the repercussion will be like a ton of bricks crashing down on us, leaving us with broken families, broken relationships, betrayed trust, a damaged witness, and a ruined reputation, devastating on every hand, hurt, and wounds will abound as we continue grinding at the mill of sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, I challenge us to deal with our besetting sins. That's the only way that we can run with patience. The race that is set before us is to lay aside the weights and the besetting sins in our lives. Unconfessed sin will cause God's blessings to stop flowing in our lives. It will hinder us from being all that God wants us to be, and it will have a negative effect on our Christian testimony. Sin will always rob us of our strength, our sight, and our stability. Sin will cause the Spirit of God to depart from us. Church, We must stand against sin in any shape or form and at all cost. We must not allow quarreling and bickering and gossiping or backbiting to take place in our midst. We must close that door. Don't allow something like that to destroy us. Come to Jesus today. Let Him wash you Let Him cleanse you and set you free. There is nothing more freeing than the saving grace of Jesus Christ our Lord. I challenge you today as they sing the invitational song, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I challenge you to hear the call of Jesus today and come and receive Him. As a Christian believer this morning, you're here and there's a pet sin that you haven't let go of yet. I challenge you to come and give it to the Lord. Let Him take it from you. Let Him free you in Christ Jesus. Don't remain blind. Don't remain in bondage. And don't continue grinding at the simple meal that the Satan may have you in this morning. Stand with us as they sing this morning. If you have that need today, you come. We'll pray with you.